How's your three-day weekend going? Is it long? Does it feel long yet? You excited about that? <laughs> Get excited. It's a thing, right? Hey, welcome to Portico Church, Arlington. My name's Jason. It's my privilege to welcome you here uh, as we open up the Word of God together. If you're joining us from home, we're so glad you're with us. Uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 8 today, finishing up actually the Living Life in Christ series, starting in verse 35, taking it all the way to the end. One of the things we haven't talked about much is the Apostle Paul's backstory. Uh, God wrote this word, God wrote his word through his pen. And as we get to the end of chapter 8, which is really the beating heart of the gospel, we see this, this explosive, powerful words. And it's very clear that Paul wants us to feel God's love. He wants us to sense it. He wants us to understand it in a way that goes to our core, that's in us, that's around us, because he knows something that we don't. And a little bit about him. Uh, he shows up on the scene in Acts chapter 7. Uh, he is not a friend of the church. It says he's breathing out murderous threats against the church, killing men and women, destroying households. He oversaw or was there present and kind of made sure it happened, the stoning of the death of Stephen, uh, who was one of the first deacons of the church that was just exploding in Jerusalem. And then he actually had the authority to go to different places within the kingdom and drag people back to Jerusalem and have them executed. These are Christians. This is who he is. This is how. And Jesus meets him on the way to Damascus, and his life is never the same. Friends, you have questions in your life, just like the Apostle Paul did, that you're not going to get answered this side of glory. You're going to go to the grave with him. You're not going to understand why something happened, trying to reconcile how this works, why did that not happen, or why, this, why do we suffer this way? And you need to understand that those questions you have are going to migrate into conclusions. What conclusions are you going to make? So as we look at chapter 8 of Romans, who is the person that it can explain God's grace in a way that is completely tangible and powerful? It's the Apostle Paul. If there's anybody that deserves condemnation, it is this man. He even says in 1 Timothy, I think it is, uh, chapter 115, he says, this is a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. That's not poetry to him. That's not hyperbole. He actually believed he was the most vile, terrible human being on the face of the earth, and God saves him, Jesus saves him to hold him up as a trophy of God's grace. Make this conclusion. There's no condemnation for you, Apostle Paul, because you're in me. As we get to the very end of the book today, chapter 8, we see there's no separation. It's not enough that there's no condemnation. You need staying power, and it can't be your own. Listen, we many times equate God's love with our, in our life, you know, God's presence with comfort, with wealth, with a lack of pain. Just be honest for a minute. Maybe that's been unsettled during this season where that's kind of, we can't hold on to that anymore. But if you're making conclusions, if you're quitting God's love in your life with these things, uh, not only are you not getting that from Scripture, 
you're, you're going to walk away from him. You're going to make a conclusion in your life that says God is not here or I'm condemned because his love isn't for me anymore, I guess. So what we need to understand, and the text is going to take us there, is there is nothing that can loosen God's loving hold on your life. Nothing. God doesn't save you because you're faithful. Have we got that far in the Bible? We understand that. It's his work. That being true, there's nothing in your life or around your life that's going to cause God's grip to loosen on you, his loving hold to kind of let go. And so your response, and make that conclusion now, let those questions migrate into that conclusion. There's no condemnation and no separation for you. Yeah, make that conclusion because the text does, and this is where God wants us to go. Oh, it's hard. It's difficult. So as we open this text, it's really good, too. It's a great close to chapter 8. Is your grip on God loosening? Because if you're making conclusions that, you know, I don't even know if there really is a God, because how could this kind of stuff happen? I don't know um, if God is really for me because dot, dot, dot. Why would he want me to suffer? If you're making those conclusions from these questions, what's going to happen inevitably is you will loosen your grip. It'll go from two hands onto the gospel, onto God, to one hand, to proximity, to watching. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You will back away if you believe that God's grip is loosened on you. Just, it's just the truth. So let's jump in. We're going to pick up uh, where we left off and close. Chapter 8 will be in verse 35. Listen to the conclusions that God is making through the Apostle Paul here. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We need to be convinced that your love extends into eternity, not just a temporary experience that we have. We need to understand that. We need to see how your loving hold on us doesn't let go. I thank you for that. So as we open up your word, Lord, would you open up our hearts and our minds? Would you let us see the treasure and the beauty that's in your word? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So where's your grip? What are, you, are you holding on to God, knowing that his grip doesn't loosen on you? There's no separation. He's going to get you there. There's three things I want you to see in the text. There's a lot of stuff. We only have time to see three doors here. Uh, in other words, what does it mean that God's love is holding on to you? First, his love is yours. It belongs to you. You can claim ownership to it, and that's going to change how you pray and how you experience pain and suffering. Secondly, 
Your enemies abound. Please never make the mistake of believing that because God loves you, you are going to have an easier life. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. This cross doesn't say that. Now, I understand the logic, but there's a war going on here, an unseen war, friend, and you are part of it, and God is navigating you through, getting you to a different world. So you will have enemies. You will have things in your life that want to separate you from God's love. Those are called enemies. So God's love is yours, but enemies abound. And as you experience loss and you choose to trust God, your victory in him will be confirmed over and over and over. And this is why Paul switches to the first person at the end of the text and said, no, I am convinced because I've had experienced loss and I've trusted God through it and I've seen his victory over and over and over. So nothing is going to loosen God's loving hold on you, so you need to hold on. First, God's love is yours. We've walked through this. It's just a quick review. We want to understand what does it feel like for us to be in the grip of God? What does God's love feel like? We need to go back to this over and over and over. Well, the first thing, we just learned this last week, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? So the first thing is God is for you. So when you experience loss, when you experience suffering, you can never feel the opposition of God. Do you hear that? God is for you. So when a prayer doesn't get answered or something bad happens, even up to death, you can never feel, even though those emotions will come, that God is opposed to you because he's not. He's for you. Do you see that? And secondly, we learned even last week, Part of God's love is not just he's for you, he's generous. He gives you provision all of the time. It's not always the provision we want. Again, so when we have unmet needs, do not feel deprived. Do not feel like God is asleep at the wheel or that he doesn't understand truly what you need. He's generous. Uh, Third, God has justified us past tense. So as we understand God's loving embrace, you're going to feel guilt. Did you know the Bible never tells you to feel guilty? It says you are guilty. But in Christ, you're not. So you are not to feel condemned. God's loving embrace. And lastly, this is what God's love is. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, doing battle for you. We learned that last week. So part of God's loving embrace, part of his hold on you, is that he is fighting for you. Especially during this season, you're going to feel abandoned and alone. Don't make that conclusion. You have to feel God's loving embrace here. He is on station, interceding for you. So if this is so true, and I believe it, if this is true, why is it so hard to feel these things? Why is it? Why is it so hard to feel like God is for you, and that God is providing for you, and that it's justified you, and you're right before him? Why is it so difficult to believe that Jesus is actually interceding for you personally, based on where you are right now? Here's why I think. The text gets there. Listen, you understand that God is preparing you for a world that you're not there yet. He's preparing you for eternity. Do you understand that? This life is not just a trial run. This is everything. He is preparing you for a different world. Let me just take you back, remember? Verse 29 says, 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be, that's Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Friends, God's love does not leave you static. He is shaping you and conforming you to the image of Christ. And if you know anything about what it means to learn and to grow and to change, it is a difficult and painful process. But what we know that all things are working out according to God's plan, which is good. Therefore, I've said this many times, but it's, the text says it over and over. Everything in your life has to submit to God's good plan for you so that your circumstances have to serve God's plan for you. And this is God's plan. His love is he's shaping you into the image of Christ. That's really the true you. Okay? So it's painful. That love hurts, but you can trust him. His grip doesn't loosen. His hold on you doesn't grow slack. So hold on. Does anybody hear scuba dive? All right. Y'all are sane. Right? We had somebody last week that scuba dived. I mean, last service. There's many reasons I will not scuba dive. You know, it's not snorkeling where you float on the top and look at coral. That is not scuba diving. Scuba dive, the person I talked to last service, they're like 150 feet deep into the Belize Blue Hole here. 150 feet deep. It's nuts. Never do it. I'm just, please, never do it. But here's what I can tell you about scuba diving. You do not belong in that world. It's foreign to you. You can't breathe water. The pressure is intense, and it messes with your body. For instance, I know, I know this. If you go more than 30 feet deep, the pressure actually forces nitrogen because you know, when we breathe air, most of it's nitrogen, not oxygen. About 80% of it is, I think. That nitrogen gets forced into your blood, which is fine. But as you come up, if you go below 30 feet, you have to do what's called a controlled ascent because if you come up too quick, what happens is, first, your lungs overinflate, which can damage them and tear them. Secondly, that nitrogen will come out of your blood into solution. It just separates, and then it forms bubbles in your, your joints, and it hurts really bad. It's called the bends. It can actually kill you. It can actually stop blood flow. So you have a controlled ascent. Imagine seeing a shark at 80 feet deep or having a quick malfunction. You just want to like get rid of the weight belt and go for the air. If you do it, you'll probably die. This is what it feels like sometimes in life. You know you're a citizen of another kingdom. This air doesn't work for you. You feel like you're on life support. You want to cut and run. Life is dangerous. I can't feel God here. I want out. That's a good instinct, friends, but you have to trust him. You have to trust him. Unlike your scuba equipment, God can actually get you there, right? Trust him. He's shaping you into the image of his son. And that's what, that is the essence of love. And his grip doesn't loosen. Nothing can loosen his loving hold on you. So hold on. God's love is yours. Secondly, enemies abound. Do we even need to know this? Of course we know this. Your life is full of things that want you to separate from the loving grip of God. What I love about this text is the Apostle Paul asks a question you are afraid to ask. No, nobody's, I guarantee you nobody's ever asked it in your community group or in a small group. And the question goes something like this. Hey, what would it take um, for God's love to abandon me? What would it take in life for God's love to just go? 
Now, we theologically know that, but we have a suspicion many times that either God has had enough, or He's not real, or He's not there. So what would it take? That's the question that the Apostle Paul shoves out in our face. Hey, what would it take for this suspicion to become real to you, to actually believe that God's love doesn't belong to you anymore? Now, instead of just saying, well, nothing, instead of just giving you the theological answer and saying, well, nothing can separate you from the love of God, he actually uses exposure therapy. You ever seen this? Well, I, I remember I saw this on a, <laughs> a TV show, and this person was deathly afraid or had a phobia of spiders. So what do they do? I think they were torturing this person. But they bring this huge, massive tarantula. They put it in a terrarium. He has to sit there and look at it. They're like sweating and red. And then they put it in his lap. And then the next week, he has to hold it. Eventually, this tarantula is crawling on this person so that they can get over their fear of spiders. This is basically what the Apostle Paul does. He throws tears into the room, things that in the back of your mind you're afraid of that prove that God's love isn't actually for you. And he says, this? What about this? What about that? What about tribulation? That's pressure and stress and compression in life. What about distress? That's basically narrowness. Imagine when life feels like you're navigating a ship through very shallow water and there's rocks and shoals everywhere and you don't have a map and you don't know where it's at, you're slowing down, you think every minute you're going to crash, right? And sometimes you do. Is that going to separate you from, will your faith end there? Or will God sustain you? Because God sustains us through faith. Is that going to crash your faith or shipwreck your faith? What about persecution, ongoing opposition? What about famine, which is unmet need? Are you gonna, is God going to not answer a prayer you want someday, and you're like, that is it. I'm done. Or, or is his love going to sustain your faith through that? What about violence? What about a pandemic? Is that, is that no, nah, I'm out. No, God's loving embrace on your life actually sustains you through faith. Enemies abound. The way the text works is the Apostle Paul makes the case that this opposition actually confirms your adoption by God. Do you know that? Why? Well, see this weird thing? It's like, he's like, what about this, this, that, nakedness, danger, and sword? And then in verse 36, he says, as it is written, and then he quotes Psalm 44:22, just out of the blue. For your sake, that's for God's sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Where is that coming from? Well, it's Psalm 44, and Paul's making this case. Faith is dangerous. It always has been. It doesn't say you're being slaughtered in spite of God, like, oh, this is weird. I'm one of the good people. God loves me, and yet I suffer. No, he's saying, yes, you're not one of the good people. God has pulled you from death. And because of him, life is a slaughterhouse for you. Paul's reminding the people of God, the church in Rome, who would be destroyed in many ways, and he's prepping them. He's saying, no, this is life, friends. This is what it means to follow a God who is opposed, right? So faith brings that for your sake. Think about that. Rewind your week. What do the circumstances in your life confirm to you? Even the questions you can't answer. Are they confirming? Are you letting God confirm to you? My love is yours. I'm not letting go. Yeah, I know, I know that you don't get that, or that person did that. 
I know that you feel this intense desire to pull away from me. Don't do it. Hold on. I'm holding to you. And the Apostle Paul goes there. Loss confirms victory. This, is, this gets really personal for him. Now, he says something that's very strange. So if we're going to understand how this works, the Apostle Paul gives us a showing of it or an idea. He doesn't say, again, he doesn't just say, no, nothing can separate us. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, what does this mean, more than conquerors? Another way to translate it very easily is just a super conqueror. You're a super conqueror. That means this. It's not that your strength is enough. It's not that God's never going to let anything come into your life that's going to overwhelm you. It means that everything that comes into your life, when you unite it with faith, when you make the hard decision to trust God in it, when you surrender the outcome to God, that thing will actually be used by God to reveal faith and reveal Christ's victory in it, period. And there's no other way to get it than actually suffering. So that's what a super conqueror, or more than conqueror, is that the things that are coming at you, taking aim at your soul to destroy you, to rip you out of God's hands, as you submit to God in this, as you walk in faith, they actually become what prepares you, what builds up your faith. These things actually show your victory in Christ. In that regard, there's absolutely no way you can lose. There's no way you can be separated from him because everything that's coming in, he's using it to reveal his love for you. He's using it to build up your faith. He's using it to show you your victory in Christ Jesus. This was real for Paul. Right? He switches to the first person. For I, in verse 38, for I am sure, Paul's like, let me tell you, Roman church, I am sure of these things. I've experienced these things. For neither death nor life, death is the ultimate separator. No matter what you have in your hand, you will lose it at death. Neither death nor life. And many times it's life that separates us from God, isn't it? Neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, not even the spiritual realm. Not everything in the unseen universe is your friend. Did you know that? nor things present or your past or things to come, nor any powers, anything that has influence on your life, none of it is going to separate you. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced that there's nothing that's going to happen or has happened that will pull you out of God's hands or destroy your faith so much so that you'll be separated from God? Be convinced. Be convinced. Do you know how a predator kills? I'm not talking about the movie. You know, an action, you're right, Discovery Channel? How do they do it? Maybe a pack of wolves? Because they're small, kind of compared to like maybe a caribou or something? Well, when it comes to a herd, this is how they work. They're patient. They watch, they wait, they conserve their energy. They find the weak one. And their first goal was this, separate him from the pack. 
once the predator gets you out of the pack, you're done. It's kind of hard to watch, right? They tire him out, they tire him out, there's nobody else to help. Boom, it's over. Friends, this is how you get killed if you're a herd animal. It really works the same way. Listen, God's love is never going to let go of you. So your response to this text is to hold on with everything that you have. Why? Because if I just do it, just hold on. His grace is good. His love for you is strong. It's powerful. He's not going to let go of you. Your call is to, yes, that is confidence to you, but hold on with everything that you have. So you know that Jesus, even the text alludes to this, the slaughtered lamb, he's the one that peeled out of the pack and faced the wolves and said, chase me, not them. And he looked sickly and weak, and they tore him up. And he's like, now we're not finished. And he overcame death. Because of that, you, have, you should have every confidence that God's love for you is eternal, right? He reaches down through eternity, pulls you from death. It's not the first time he thought about you. He's going to get you home. His loving hold on you will not be loosened by anything, so hold on. I remember, I can remember this like it was yesterday, the work, one of the darkest seasons of my life. I've probably shared it from different times, but lost a house. There was sickness in the family, young kids, marriage wasn't going to work out. Everything was, everything was up in the air. And I specifically remember God saying, is this it for you? Is this where you say, I can't trust you anymore? I really actually had to thought about, I had to think about that. And as I chose, no, 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 right, you, you took me out this far. I'm going to trust you all the way. That is what God's calling you to do today, wherever you're at. Check your grip. Are you loosening your hold on God, on his truth? Are you pulling back from his word? Are you pulling back from prayer? Are you pulling back from his people? That's a good way to get killed in the animal world. God is calling us to hold on. He's not going to let go. Don't let go of him. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your salvation, that your grace isn't just an open door. You pull us from death and you hold on, Lord. And you have actually overcome death. You've paid for sin. You've done it. I thank you for that. We are safe in you even when life is dangerous. There's nothing like that that is the most powerful thing that any of us are ever going to witness. And I pray that it builds a conviction that we are not condemned, that we are right before you through faith alone, and that nothing can separate us from your loving hold. Let that be true for us. And we lift all this up in the name of Jesus. Amen.